Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Warriors. And this is Ryan. And this is the Nintendo Show, the best damn Nintendo podcast on the internet. This is going to be the mini show for the month of July 2023, in which we will talk about whatever we damn please. We got video games to discuss. I got a few other topics. Uh, we'll get into our, our back into our tier rankings. I think it's been like uh, over a month since we've done one of those. Um, I think the last one we did was back in May. But we'll get back into that. And I got a little game for you guys. Not really like a competition. It's more of like a team thing. So we'll see how we're doing on time to see if we can uh, get there. It won't take long. Five minutes at most. But yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll discuss any topic that uh, that we feel like as we go here. Very good. Um, you got, should we start off by time capsuling this? Yeah, let's we do We can it. time capsule. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, let's time capsule this. So, uh, things that were going on in the world at, before we started recording here. The FTC has lost its suit to block the Microsoft ac- acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Uh, Microsoft has promised that Call of Duty will continue to release on PlayStation console. And Meatball Ron has seemingly run out of steam in his presidential bid. Anything you guys want to discuss there? I think the first thing that I think we should bring up is um, the introduction of Master Chief as a Diablo 4 character class. I think, Uh um, you know, there's a certain kind of integrity to Diablo where they shouldn't have done that. Uh, but, but they did. But they did. So Master Chief that, will that, be that in That sounds Diablo. like a factor fiction almost. Thing. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. They did not do that. I was about to say, what on earth? <laughs> well, the acquisition hasn't gone through yet. Give them time. <laughs> there's there's some real brand synergy happening there. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, that that's interesting. And um, I think I missed your second item there. But yeah, it is kind of great to see uh, Ron DeSantis' campaign just... To- totally uh, imploding. Um, I love to see him fail. Yeah. God, after having to deal with this guy for nearly eight years, it's so good to just see him fall so flat on his dumb face. Yeah. Um. Well, the, the other thing was uh, like Microsoft, uh, or specifically like Phil Spencer, sort of the head honcho over at Xbox, announced that they like entered an agreement that's legally binding, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean, with Sony. <laughs> to continue to bring Call of Duty to PlayStation platforms. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, Not that I really care. Like, it's it's weird that this entire sort of uh, acquisition became so centered around one property. Like, only, like, really sick people like me paid any attention at all to the hearings or the trial that was going on where the FTC was trying to block this from happening. Um, but it became so one note about what platform Call of Duty was going to be on. I think the FTC really bumbled this one because they failed to bring up just how much um, power is now in Microsoft hands because of how much of the gaming space that they just own outright. It's getting very similar to a Disney situation when it comes to other sort of entertainment media where they're just be- they've become so large you can't like like don't cross them don't cross Disney or you won't be able to get your your shit done you won't be able to get your movie made uh, and like it's getting to a point like hey don't cross Microsoft because they they have too much power and influence over video gaming but anyway that's not Nintendo stuff you guys Tears of the Kingdoms a really good game but before we do that I have to address something real quick yeah very quick let's do it I know you have that that person that's living with your family because you know she's in between houses and you're you're being a kind person. Are you yeah. doing, are you recording in a closet right now? I see like coats hanging behind you and stuff. Like, what what is this? Yeah, th- those are shirts, and this is my closet. I'm in my closet. Are you in your closet? Are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, and these these are these are my shirts right here. And uh, I moved the, the the couch that you guys would sit on in the recording room. It's now in this closet, and I'm sitting on it right now. So um, where's I did get where's Sherlock? Sherlock is on the floor next to me. Okay, good. Uh, there, there's actually uh, she brought um, as like a housewarming gift. She brought like Sherlock a little dog bed, and it's like on the side of the couch in the corner, and he's sleeping in it right now. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> So, um, so I, I actually also have one current event thing that I think is worth bringing up, and it's only yeah. only because we do talk about sports a lot. I feel like uh, if we didn't talk about uh, video games, we would be talking about sports. Um, and ESPN fired twenty of their biggest on-air personalities. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and not only that, but they're also bringing in Pat McAfee, um, which couldn't be more of an about face for them. Uh, total change of pace because you know espn has has relied on uh having a whole slew of people that are from you know various walks of life in the world of sports and they're basically leaning heavily into a super high energy and very entertaining guy but someone who is a noted indianapolis colts homer because he's played for them for so many years he's an insider specifically for them it's kind of an extreme bias to have of a, of anyone that's going to be hosting and essentially to become your highest paid highest profile on-air personality i think it's i think it's fast something really really str- not strange but something big is happening at espn and the way that sports media is consumed and i think it's really interesting that that's going down right now yeah, there, there's some really big shakeups, and I really haven't paid much attention to anything ESPN has been doing for a while. Are they like, are they in trouble? Are they hurting? Honestly, um, same. I think that ESPN has sort of just become the equivalent of, of uh, background white noise from for the sports mm. world. I think that much in the same way that people tend to, um, you know, with all different media that we consume, we, we have so, so much more control over what it is that we consume and where we consume it from. That like, so someone like me that does consume a lot of sports media. You know, I'm, I'm watching YouTube channels. I'm watching very specific niche content yeah. creators that I think make the things I like. And I'm not listening to some sports debate show. You know, I think that it's kind of a not really what I don't feel like I pull away anything rewarding or have some better understanding of the sport because I'm watching, you know, two two guys yell at each other about watching Bill Plaschke talk about the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um and the, a lot of the guys that I like have also been doing some very thoughtful kind of video essays about the industry, their involvement in it, their history, where it's going, what they think is happening. So, you know, a, a lot of it has just sort of been kind of galvanized by that. And I think a lot of them have a very interesting perspective about uh, how the industry is changing a lot really, really quickly. Um, so. Hmm fascinating to see where this goes and what ESPN's and I think that boiling it down one of the big points that they make is that you're not necessarily buying the content that they're creating you're buying the aesthetic and how they make you feel so you know Mm. for example a guy like Brett Coleman um, he has this thing called bootleg football and he does very nerdy X's and O's football discussion that's his whole thing but it's all very happy and positive and very enlightening when you care about football so you know and again you never really see him it's not like he's there doing a scripted hour every day where he's got to get into an argument about 
you know, some legacy football content. You know, he just kind of got to have his hot takes. Yeah, yeah. He kind of just gets to tell you what he thinks. So I don't know. And I, I think the ESPN right now is basically trying to get the cream of the crop. They're trying to get these people that uh, have that magnetism to an audience and not just are there to keep, you know, keep the cart moving, but are also going to add people aboard. So I don't know. This may be pretentious. This may be like a totally, you know, meaningless thing to discuss where I'm putting value in it when it's not really there. But I, I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. You know, when you look at what, how much money in a cable, and I, I don't even have cable, so what do I care? But, you know, I think something like 40% of the money in an average cable package, that goes to ESPN. Like ESPN drives yeah. TV. Yeah, I mean, that. if I were to resubscribe to some sort of cable package, the only reason I would do it is for live sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but now, like uh, like you're saying, it's like gotten so fragmented. You can get subscriptions to, uh, you know, just like the, you can get like just uh, an NFL TV subscription or an MLB TV subscription, like things where, you know, just really specific. I just want to watch baseball, so I'll just pay for this. And I forget how much it is now, but it's like a hundred twenty, hundred forty bucks a year, and you get access to all this this content. And then, uh, or you can even like do it like team specific. Like I'm only interested in following closely New York sports, so I'm going to subscribe to, uh, I think it's like the Yes Network in New York, so that uh, just really focuses laser focuses on all of their teams. And like you said, like there's all sorts of like, independent content creators all over the internet on YouTube and, and Twitch and those such places where you can find the exact sort of thing that you're interested in hearing about. And it just cuts out. Like you, I don't need to hear, you know, the, the 12 minutes every hour that they focus on golf. It doesn't really make a difference to me. Yeah. But anyway, how far are you guys in, uh, in Zelda in tears of the kingdom? So I've gotten to the point where I don't measure my progress in terms of dungeons because I've still only done three. I have not done, but what? <laughs> which which three have you done? Uh, Goran, Rito, and uh, the fishy fishy one. Fishy. Oh, the Zora. Okay, so Zora. we've we've done two of the three, two of the three same dungeon. I haven't done the Goron one yet, but I have done the desert, mm-hmm. the Gerudo. What I have done, I got every single well. You guys, nice. I've got wow. Um, That's a feat. Over a hundred bubble gems i've got about i think like mm-hmm. 90 more to go but i'm making crazy yeah. good progress with that and the latest thing i did was um something that's recently come to light within the auto build community that people that really like to do this this i found on the hyrule engineering the subreddit um where apparently so get this there is this specific railing on an elevator in the depths yep I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you can. It's not supposed to be detached, but by using those uh, stability things, you can sort of push so much torque into it, it kind of rips it off. And that piece can become essentially a wing for a plane. And then you can build the, you know, that standard. Anyone that's played with played around with this probably knows what I'm talking about. But the two fans and the steering stick, put them around that, and you basically have this absurdly light fast maneuverable plane one that can literally <laughs> go into lava it can go into water um it it because it's light because it has this, it's the weirdest classification it's considered lightweight it's not ele- it, it's it's metal but it's not going to attract electricity it's not conductive um, thank you it's not conductive 
Um, it can't be caught on fire. It's every wonderful thing you could want in this sort of mythical piece. Um, so, like, for someone that has... I mean, I literally found every light route using the whole two fans and a steering stick method, and it was... I felt like it was way faster than doing it on foot, but oh, yeah. to have done it with this thing, like, oh my god, I literally just today was playing, and I rode down into the chasm with with a feroche dragon landed the hmm. thing on the dragon stole a horn and then left on the same thing <laughs> so it, it was just so cool it was just so great i rode uh it, it's wild like the things that people discover about this game and just like the amount of things you can do and what people come up with with just like throwing things together and coming up with all these uh vehicles and weapons and torture devices like it's, yeah. it's super impressive uh, how creative the game lets you be with all the different options and combinations that it has. Uh, the first time I saw a dragon going down to the depths, it was Nadra. And I was up above uh, Kakariko, wandering around there looking for Koroks and whatever. And I saw it and I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go grab a, a claw or a scale or something. And I got up onto him riding on his back and it was just like getting the little spines and then it starts to uh, like move like uh like dive vertically like whoa what the fuck is happening here like i start like clinging to the side like using stamina like okay what what's going on and i able to like angle the camera downward i'm like oh shit we're going into a chasm and i was like this is like super cool super impressive holy shit holy shit and oh this is taking forever <laughs> yeah Kind of took some of the wind out of the sails. But then as soon as we got into the depth, I was like, okay, I'm taking a horn. I grabbed it and then I bailed. Yeah. Uh, Nadra is my favorite dragon. Uh, and then, mm. Yeah, the the horn is, is like such a useful add-on to a weapon. That's, that thing's fantastic. Uh, what was the most uh, recent thing that you did, Wes? Uh, i just been kind of exploring around a bit. The most recent thing I did was the last labyrinth. Um, so I got that full which one Ganon set uh, the one in the Gerudo area that was the last one okay. I had no, I just you. knocked it out that kind of left because I don't think I want to do the Gerudo next I think I want to knock out the Goron um, I don't know I'm just kind of next is the Master Sword that's on my list I haven't gotten that one yet um, so you've done you've done the Riddle of course and have you done the Zora I did not do the Zora I did a different one that oh yes 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 I that remember. Ryan knows about but you do not so I don't want to spoil it I you know I think uh, we, we won't get into it so that you know you don't have to tread lightly or anything but yeah. I think I have a I think I have an idea of what it is because I did get uh, like minorly spoiled by like a uh, a YouTube suggestion but then I, I swiped away really quick so I don't know too much about uh, this last one but I do know a little bit and I, I I found something down in the depths where it was like here's your left arm construction and here's your yeah. right arm construction. I was like, oh, I can't do anything with this yet. I wonder if this has something to do with that that one that Wes has done. Yeah. But yeah, we'll it's, see. It's, minor spoiler here. It, it's one you're not supposed to do until you beat the other four. Yes. That, it starts that's... a quest. I stumbled across it by accident by exploring an area that I shouldn't... Well, you mm. could, but an area that is not easy to explore. I stumbled into it um, yeah i know the area you're talking about and that's pretty much what was spoiled for me already is like it's something where it will open up a quest line like directly 
once you've done these other objectives. But like one of the really great things about this game is like, yeah, there are certain things that, you know, you should do in a certain order, but the game is just like, no, no, we're not going to block you off. Yeah. You can do it. Go for it. I mean, doing the quest does make it a whole lot easier. Um, mm. And I can't do the quest until I'm done with the other ones anyway. So I only... Oh, just opened it up. No, no, the... the... Try, I'm trying not that, to spoil that's okay. it for you. That's okay. We, we, can, we can move on. I'm we trying not to on. spoil it for you. I don't want to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, yeah, that was, was that actually was one of the main storyline quests I recently completed was that Dragon Tears one or the tears of the dragon oh, nice. or whatever um yeah i need to go through and start knocking out some quests i got i got a pretty good catalog built up on me that was yeah that i got was, one or two of those left that was worth it that was one of the more rewarding just from like um you know just like a story kind of thing not necessarily mm-hmm. like it unlocks anything or changes things really but just it uh for a game that's very open and very abstract, it doesn't really tell you a lot. That's the most clear, concise narrative beat I mm. think that's happened in the whole thing. And it was really, really great, especially having spent, gosh, I must have spent at least 100 hours in the game at this point. So, yeah. Um, very great. I'm yeah, not I, even half of that right now, man. I just. I, uh, I, I liked. Um, I, I've heard some people. Uh, uh, say like hey do the dragon tears in this order definitely don't do this one because it's the last one you'll see how it ends like but i i like that about the way that it presents these narrative beats to you like you can like i i found one and there was this character that i was like well who the fuck are you why is everyone talking to you like you're you're so familiar to everyone else and like and there's one that i found after that where they introduce this character like okay i i sort of like the way that it can play out just depending on where you find things first and if you choose to go after them. So you can get like this this non-linear story that you're piecing together as you go. And then like if you want to experience the whole thing from from front to back, you can just go replay them so you can understand it better. Um, There, there is something I could add to that. I'm not going to say where, but there is a place that actually will show you the correct order. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, you can sit there and like make note of the order and then yeah. go out and find them. But there is a place in the game that you can see the correct order. Yeah, you're talking about like it shows you like the the order in which you would want to find them yes. if you want to see it linear, linearly. Yes. Yeah, it's in but that, then when yeah. yeah when when you go into your memories, like it will it will you know save all yeah, your videos. Yeah, it's still gonna save the yeah. videos in order. So you could go back and watch them all if you but, want. But to, if like, you're feeling like story. Yeah, if you're really feeling obsessive about definitely finding them in the right order, there is a, a way to find that information in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the most recent thing I did? I Oh, oh, um, I did the Zora area. I pretty much cleared out all of the places of interest that I wanted to check out in that zone. Um, and I'm a little bit torn about if I want to go south to the zone where Hateno is or if I want to continue up north and go into Akala because when I first started again that was the place I wanted to go to the most and now I'm like 140 hours in and still haven't been there go to Akala um, yeah go to Akala for sure I, I've been marking some spots in Akala and um, I, I was about to, to wrap up for the day the other night and Ripley was sitting on the couch and she saw what I was playing like oh where's Cookie where's your horse she wanted, she wanted to ride the horse. I'm like, okay, we'll go find Cookie. And Cookie was um, at the stable near the near the Dueling Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so right by that that uh, field that will take you further east into the zone where Hateno is. So Ganakuki is like, okay, we want to ride on, on the horse around for a little while. Fuck it, let's just go to Hateno Village. I know that there's some slate upgrades there that I can do, and I can go to the dye shop and start like adding some, some different colors to all of my gear that I like. So we went on a horse ride. Um, I did the, the gear upgrades in the, the slate upgrades in Hateno. So I finally got my, my hero's path and the sensor. Um, and then like the, the last one that you can do, there's actually like a, you need to go up to the lab in Akala. So I'm most likely going to go up to Akala, but I did visit Hateno and I did, uh, uh, die one of my gear sets, kind of like the default Hylian gear. I got that, um, uh, some some nice black and green, some nice muted colors, so I can uh, I can feel like I'm stealthier even though I'm not. But I, I have been upgrading my uh, Sheikah gear for the the stealth attacks too, because that's always really fun. Mm, when you get that that extra little hit on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mostly run around in the stealth gear, and then if I need to do some fighting, I switch to the skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, by the way, like that's one of the things that um, I was when we last talked about it. I think I hadn't. I had just beaten, or I hadn't beaten the Zora thing yet. No, you hadn't. Oh no, no. Last time I saw you, you had it. Which is nice because I didn't realize that Sidon. What Sidon's ability is ultimately going to be is to just cover you in water, which is fantastic because yeah. those Zora Spoilers weapons for are amazing. Oh, yeah, you, you have another one. Well, I mean, no, I saw <laughs> you. You showed me last time we were hanging out. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's been so many months. We should have beaten this game by now. At this point, we're just like, no, 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 no. We're no. just obsessed with this game. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like the, this, this game is meant to be experienced the way that we are playing. And you go and you find things. And if you stumble across a major goal, like okay, fine, I'll do. Like, this. why do you think I'm hunting I, down caves? I don't want the game to end. I don't ever want it to <laughs> end. I just wanted to. Be, I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna find something else, or I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm obsessing over this now. Yeah, what do we what do we need another game for? We're good. Oh, I got I got uh, every uh, every snap a snapshot of every what do you call it consumable item except for one, oh, which I can't get until the very end of the game. There's a specific kind mm. of pumpkin that you have to complete like a story beat for. Okay, like it's weird, <laughs> but I've got every single other component in the game. I don't have all of the oh. weapons. I haven't taken pictures of all the bad guys or the. Anim- which by the way that's one of the most fun things to do now is just like take pictures of the hundreds of different animals like there's mm. all these different kinds of birds and uh, yeah. like th- different wolves and bears and there's so much natural wildlife in the game that's really fun to hunt down mm-hmm. all of this I do in oh, Wes, the game <laughs> Wes you know what would be so cool if like up in Hebra if there was like the Yeti house from Twilight Princess it would be so Ooh. awesome if like they, they had that in there random just yeah. a random yeah that would have been really cool that yeti yeah, house may, is really maybe, cool no, maybe that, for the they, next they one just, they just need to get twilight onto a switch that's all they gotta do yeah they, I mean, hell that's yeah just, it. just give me twilight twilight princess on every nintendo console from oh, yeah. now into eternity yeah that's it i mean it's been a long time since i played it so i mean mm. it basically would be a new game for me at this point it's real good i can't remember about that game. um anything else about uh Tears of the Kingdom that we want to address before we move on to some other stuff? Nope. nope. Ryan, you got anything else? No, no, it's the only game I play. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that um, we'll, we'll have more to discuss about it on, on the next episode, after the retro show. Uh, I have been... I, 
did start up one other game, and I'm a good ways into it. I'm about, uh, I'm nearly 20 hours into it, and it's, it's a decently long game. I think it like clocks in or at somewhere like 40 or 50 hours if you're doing a lot of stuff. It's Chained Echoes, and I did talk to you guys a little bit about this one off air last week. It's that um, RPG. It looks interesting because I, I did look into it a little bit because I saw you playing it. I was like, oh, if John's playing something. Yeah, it's it's an interesting game. There's all you can like see a lot of the influences. Uh, things like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, even like Xenoblade, Xenoblade X specifically, because there are mechs in this game and they operate a lot like the way that they operate in Xenoblade X. So it's it kind of um, well, let's start with the high level stuff. It is a turn taking RPG, and I was telling you guys a little bit about the battle system before, but uh, it um rather than having like an overworld and dungeon stuff it just has a bunch of interconnected areas much more like like an open world rpg functions now um and you you kind of like have three different modes of locomotion you can go on foot and then once you get a little ways into the game you can get your your mechs they call them sky armors in this high fantasy game um and when you get those you can hover which will allow you to move across certain obstacles, or you can fly, which is what it sounds like. It just lets you go anywhere. But the, the way that they kind of limit you is you can fly anywhere when you're in flight mode, but you can't land anywhere. There are only specific places where you can land. Yeah, like the airship in 9 before you can yeah. get... Um, yeah, yeah. What's his face? Um, the other one. In- invincible? Yeah. Um, but they... Uh, they, they like for some reason like feel the need to come up with some like bullshit narrative reason there's only like a couple of lines of dialogue but it stood out to me like oh yeah you can't land on this grass because you wouldn't want the grass to get up in the gear and mess with the your your system like you're taking these things into battle and grass is gonna mess you up uh just like say it's a video game fellas deal with it you can't land in certain places we're fine with this like we've been playing video games for a while we understand why you have to limit it to certain things it's okay um, I remember that being a thing about the uh, AR-15 versus the AK-47. Mm. Is that you know when yeah. they were building the AR-15 that they said that uh, you know they wanted to make it so that not a like a grain of sand could get into the chamber of one of these things, and then you know that in, ended up just making them very quick to malfunction. And like the AK-47 is just supposed to be like totally fucking indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> it is just it is built to be treated like shit i don't know i don't know anything about guns aside from them being in video games but i thought that was i always thought that was pretty funny uh, i was telling you guys about the battle system in this game um there you do have the option to just do like a random melee hit but 99 percent of the time you're going to be using your skills and uh, skills will have different attributes oh, they'll be like physical or magic kind of like in pokemon um if you're your, your physical attack and your special attack and enemies will be uh, vulnerable to certain things or resist certain things. And uh, what you are trying to do is like, th- there's a, a meter up at the top of your battle screen and like the middle zone, the green zone is where you want to be. Cause that's when you're dishing out the most damage and taking the least damage. If you are um, just kind of, uh, uh, using basic attacks you'll eventually work your way up into the green but the fastest way to do it is to use your skills because that'll bump you like move you up in the meter closer to the green and every action in the battle moves you further along this meter 
at the top. And like once you get to like the last chord of it, you're in the red. And when you're in the red, um, you're doing the least damage and taking the most damage. So you want to try to stay out of that. So it's this balancing act between, you know, do I use the skills that are going to move me up this meter or do I try to defend and let it cool off a little bit? And the other way around that is every four turns, they'll say like, hey, a skill with this attribute uh, will actually move you down the meter. So having certain characters with a, a skill that aligns with that attribute will help you balance things out and keep you in the middle, which is where you want to be. Um, and it's nice because like in Final Fantasy X and other RPGs, it'll have like a, a little chart at the top to show you who is able to, who's taking the next turn and what the next sequence of turns are going to be so you can try to take out certain enemies. The one thing about the battles is they're quite long-winded. A lot of the even just rando enemies are damage sponges and it takes a couple of minutes to work through. Battles aren't frequent. They're not random either, which is good. You can see these enemies on the screen as you're moving around. And some of them are avoidable. But you can also like tweak the adjustments. Like you can like tweak the settings and give enemies less HP if you're just trying to get through the game. So at, at this point, like I've upgraded my characters enough to where I can kind of move around and explore and not be too worried about the length of the fights. But early on, it reminded me like a, a bit of River City Girls, how you know just your random encounters at the start of the game were taking so long, but then once you work your way in, it becomes more manageable and less time consuming. Uh, lots of different things to uh, upgrade. Not only can you, you can buy new gear, of course, uh, and there are skill trees and skills to learn and stat upgrades that you have to spend skill points on. You know, really like crunchy RPG kind of stuff. Uh, a lot like Xenoblade. There are gems that you can equip to your weapons to give you different like uh, uh, stat buffs or passive skills or add attributes to your weapons. Um, nice visual style, kind of like your uh, top-down almost isometric uh, RPG kind of stuff. Um, I've seen like more intricate pixel art. It's not like the, the best looking pixel art game or, or retro-inspired game that I've played, but you know, it looks pretty good. Um, you know, quite a bit of talking. It's telling a story. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, there's like uh, a kingdom and they're trying to use this, this weapon of mass destruction to take out their enemies and you don't want to let them. I don't know, something like that's happening. There's a lizard guy who joins your team, so that's a plus. Hey, it's not all just a bunch of white people. I was really worried, Wes, at the start of the game, because, like, oh, look, there's a hippo man, and there's, like, this other weird alien creature, and there's a lizard dude, and look at all, like, these diverse, different uh, types of species of people walking around, and my entire group were just, like, your stand, like, a, a, a Caucasian human. Oh. Um I was like, oh no, is this going to go Final Fantasy XII? But no, thankfully the team is starting to diversify. I want a hippo person on my team. That'd be amazing. Right? That sounds be delightful. Awesome. Like, like a hippo down, and it's seven foot wide mouth. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. Almost seven, yes. yes Not yes. exactly seven feet. But yeah, um, I'm liking it so far. Uh, I did put a pause on it because... Um, I needed to do some some catching up. Uh, I've mentioned before, I'm doing like a year-long playthrough of Persona 5, so I just played through the month of October. I'm just about done with it. Wes, I'm worried, though. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because uh, my the rank with the counselor is only 6. And I have 17 days left to get it up to 10. 
Ooh. It's coming down to the wire. I do have a counselor class persona that I'm using to help me out, but I'm getting a little worried that I might get cut out from that. I don't have a backup save file. I don't, I don't, I don't think you can at that point. I, I, I don't think you're going to have enough. I mean, do the best I might, you can. I might, I might be spending like five days a week for the, the, uh, the month of November with this counselor after school. I, I can't, yeah, pretty much. And even then, it's like it takes like two visits to like get a point. Um, it it depends. Like I taking them up from four to six was pretty quick. Um, and I'm using a guide to make sure I get the right answers, and I have the persona of that class to help boost it up a little bit. We'll see. It's it's gonna get real close. Yeah, that's rough, man. Hopefully, yeah, he doesn't I, like I, take a, a work mandated vacation or anything, because otherwise. It's gonna lock me. I don't out know of if it. it has to get to ten, but I'll do some I research. I think it maxes out early, and then you like finish it in the DLC. Uh, or is I that or the, is that the the girl, the gymnast girl? Well, the gymnast girl, she maxes out at like five. So I mean, she maxed out hmm. super low. Um, and then what's his name? The the other guy, uh, Ketchy. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. He the the kid he, detective. Yeah, yeah, you can't max him out until the DLC either. But mm. you get him to like, well, for for story reasons that we know of, eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. For like eight or nine, and then he finishes up in there. But in I, Royale, I can't remember if you have to get him to the counselor to ten or not. I can't in remember. Royale, you can actually like start building up his social rank earlier, and in the vanilla version, you couldn't actually start doing that until close to when you recruit him. Which but is anyway. nice. Yeah. I, I was I was sitting here looking at this guy, like, do I want to do anything with this guy or not? And then mm. I found out that he was required for the thing. I was like, ah, I might as well then. Yeah. Um Oh, and now Wes, you got any other games on tap or has it just been Zelda? I got a game that I played briefly that I would like to play more. So it is a game where you and your buddy journey out to an island and then your buddy falls into a pit of goo and turns into a small creature and the entire point of the game now is to go and get him turned back to normal do you have any idea what game i'm talking about no jack and dexter from the ps2 i bought the collection on my uh on my ps5 and so i started playing a remastered collection or just like upresed I, I, it's just up res. It's not a remastered mm. collection. It's just like a essentially a port. It 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 definitely like heavy. This is this is PS2 and it's like prime. This is this is a good game. Um, but I realized a couple of things in playing it. Uh, one, back in the PS2, analogs were not a thing. So you moved around with the D-pad in the PS2. Oh shit. And you adjusted the camera with the left and right. I believe that's how it was, if I remember correctly. Because they uh, on maybe on certain PS2 games, but Final Fantasy X, you were definitely using the analog stick. Mm, maybe I'm thinking of something else then. But I remember I adjusted the cameras. Mm, maybe I'm wrong. Well, there. I mean, I PS1 for sorry, like certainly, like PS1, like the original controller didn't even have analog sticks. It wasn't until like really okay, late maybe in PS1. PS, yeah, maybe PS2 they got the analog. So I'm probably wrong on that. But I don't know. I just remember that. I went crazy with the analog adjusting the camera when I was playing this game, and I got super nauseous and a huge migraine. <laughs> Getting those old man eyes. I was like, oh my god, I can't keep up with this game right now. Like, I feel ill. Like, it, it beat the tar out of me, but the game is uh, a lot of fun, and 
it's funny the way that that particular series goes because the first game you are Jack and Dexter and Dexter gets turned into a small little creature and this was right after finding out that the essentially the villain of the game is about to attack the village and so you go back to the village and they're like what happened to your buddy take him to this guy to get him turned back to normal and they completely ignore the like army that's going to attack and destroy the village they're like all right let's go save jack dexter he's gotta go back to normal i'm like this is so heavy ps2 they're like the premise of these games it's so good and nostalgic but all it is is just a you got your little spin kick you got a dash uh punch and you have like a double jump there's a double jump ryan that wants to work some of the time perfect <laughs> um, and then you have like a down smash with the double jump, and that—that's that, all you got. And the whole, whole thing in the game is like you need twenty power cells to change. Wait, the, step back a second here. The, so you have a double jump, and there's a smash. You got a double jump. What about toppling? There's no toppling. Ooh, can you launch? Ooh. You can't launch. Six uh, out of ten. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's like you have to get across the lava area, but you can't get there because it's lava. But we can upgrade the shields of the of the of the flight thing, but we need twenty power cells. Go get power cells, and so you just explore around finding power cells. You're like, this is it's wonderful. It's such an easy premise. It, it's just goofy and fun, and just has these nineties and adult nostalgia to it. And the series is weird because when they go, get it came, with came that out game, like two thousand three. Yeah, it's great. Oh yeah, you're right. Two thousand something like that. I don't know. It feels like a nineties game. Okay, but. Like when you get to like Jack Two and everything like that, like Jack starts talking, he's no longer a silent, silent protagonist. Oh, and it gets real edge lord. I remember it this. gets really edge lordy, and you get guns and you're racing around in cars. Oh, I'm course. like, what has happened here? Like, They're like, hey, we need to do the Shadow the Hedgehog thing. Let's get him some guns. I mean, the kids have grown up since we've done the last game. We gotta get some edge stuff going on here, or else we're gonna lose them. Yeah, we need a mature game about this talking ferret. <laughs> but I I got through. I've played one in the past, and I beat it. And I even 100% of that game. Mm. Um, Jack 2, I never beat, but I got far in it. And then Jack 3, I beat. And I have fond memories of Jack and Dexter and Jack 3. So I, I'm excited to get through these games again. I'm just playing them bit by bit here and there, because Tears is still the focus. Because um, i got to get going on Tears. But I picked up Final Fantasy 16. haven't started that yet, because again... Tears is the focus. It'll still be there waiting for you. It's not going yeah, anywhere. It'll still be there. It'll still be there. I'm excited to get into that one. But uh, yeah, that's all I got on my tap. Oh, uh, we got we all played a game together. And R- Ryan, you didn't like Streets of Red. Oh yeah, Streets of Red. <laughs> now I booted up this game because the developers of this game are making the new Double Dragon that's coming out later this month. But uh, Ryan, you really didn't like this game. I mean, I don't know if I didn't like it that all that much. Uh, the worst thing I can say is I barely remember us playing it. <laughs> <laughs> this was like really a zombie beat 'em up game, right? Like a yeah. zombie side yeah, scroll. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun kind of. It, it, it was weird though. Like he did weird stuff. There's like pregnant women shooting zombie babies at you. You're like, oh, it's a little gross. Like I think seems like, like a line they shouldn't have crossed. Like, Wes, me and you had played this game before. 
like oh we played then. a bunch of times it was a great yeah. game uh, and, and miko was playing along with us so we had like the difficulty <laughs> turned down like then the game didn't really push back on us a whole lot no but um the, the thing about uh, this one it is like like a beat-em-up and it's a deeply silly game like it's like intentionally derivative and weird except in its stage design because the stage design is pretty much just walk forward and punch um and there's there's multiple elevators in the game, which is also great. Yes. <laughs> but like I, the, the game, I think was, was more fun if you're mocking it as you go, than it was to actually play. It's like, like a, a sort of mystery science theater 3000 kind of game where it's enjoyable and that you can make fun of it as you're watching it. And the gameplay is just good enough to like, yeah, let's just keep going with this. This isn't going to take long. It's, it only took us like uh, maybe a little over an hour and a half to go start to finish. And the game mocked us because we played on the lowest difficulty mode. It's like, hey, yeah. you can't, you can't see the end because you you played on easy. And then like, I, I got a, I got a nine year old with me. Of course, I played on easy. I I completely forgot that in order to unlock the last stage, like the currency that you get through playing the game, you need to purchase the last stage. Right, 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 right. And so right, right. we couldn't get to it because we completely forgot. We're just grabbing power ups. We're like, well, might as well spend this money on something. Right. We were like, oh, I don't need an upgrade, but hey, we have the money. I might as well grab one the final boss is behind a paywall like what the frack like, <laughs> a paywall of virtual money <laughs> I, but you get to uh, visit the exotic locations of the sewer yeah and the train always a sewer always a sewer yep yeah wasn't there what, what was and, it, like uh, the post office and a department store sure yeah. in there dmv uh, yeah the dmv sure 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 <laughs> yep i don't know like uh I, I don't I don't have high hopes for the new Double Dragon game. It's not a franchise I'm deeply invested in. But I know. would rather a Streets of Red two than a Double Dragon game. <laughs> yeah, it it seems like like maybe with something that's not attached to a particular property, they got more freedom just to be dumb. Which you know, Streets of Red just gives them a wide berth to be dumb. Uh, any other video games we need to discuss here before we switch topics? None here. Good. I got nothing. Uh, what do you think? Should we do some tier rankings? Sure. Yeah, I'm up for it. Let's do it. Um, I am going to really quick pull up our current tier rankings just so we have a point of reference for all of these so far. We got four more on the block. Ryan, what were your two again? I've you had? got Golden Sun and Sin and Punishment. Very good. I have some notes on those as well because I'm familiar with both of those franchises. Uh, and I have Kid Icarus and um, I forget the other one offhand, but I got the other pronounced. Have you written a box boy? Box boy, yes, that's the other one. Uh, but right now, so far in our S tier, highest of highs, and these are ones that are locked in the S tier, absolutely immovable. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Mario Kart, the Mario platformers, uh, Pokemon, and Super Smash Brothers. Donkey Kong is also in the S tier. In the A tier, we got Kirby, Metroid, Splatoon, and Yoshi with an asterisk. Maybe maybe A minus. Maybe possibly shift down to the B tier. We'll see. In the B tier, we got Fire Emblem, Luigi's Mansion, Paper Mario, Xenoblade, and Dr. Mario. Down in the C tier, we got Brain Age, Earthbound, Bayonetta, Art Academy, Pikmin, uh, the Advance Wars series, and Punch-Out!, 
down in the D tier, we got Fatal Frame, Star Fox, F-Zero, and Arms. F-Zero, also a high D tier, possibly shifting up to C tier. We'll see how this plays out. And down in the F tier, we got Another Code, Chibi Robo, The Legendary Starfy, and Pushmo. You want to kick us off with one, Ryan? Absolutely, sure. I'll get this thing going. Um, so, yeah, I had to... I guess I'll start with, you know... All of all four of the ones that we're, we're rating, I don't think they're going to be that different from each other on the total mm. rankings. But the one that I certainly have the most to say anything about is Golden Sun. Oh, I love Golden Sun. So, so we can talk about Golden Sun. Take us away. I had never heard of prior to <laughs> Wow, I'm surprised Ryan took this instead of you. I guess, I mean, Ryan just yeah. picked randomly, but yeah, yeah. I thought you would have taken I mean, this I, one. I, I did make notes. I do have things to say about Golden Sun. Okay, well. I mean, I played the first one, I think. I, I never played the other one. What was the? Well, there's three. For your there's words, three of them. Yes. So, and well, oh. essentially two and a half of them, I guess, is how you could think of it. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, do they ever like finish that series, or is it no, still it's, like it's still uh, the the Dark Dawn for the DS back in 2010 was ended as like uh, like as a to be continued. Like they got to go finish their quest now. No, they never made another one, and yeah, maybe they never will. We'll see. But I do like the, just the high level stuff. It's a turn-taking JRPG. Uh, Camelot Software Planning makes it. They're most famous for like the Mario sports games. They do. Who's the one that's those. talking about this one, John? You were making. Oh, please, yes, take the baton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get us back on track. Shots fired. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fine. You're actually on the right track. I mean, so yeah, Camelot Software is the one that made this. Um, they're actually a really big deal at Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, they make a lot of the sports titles: Mario Golf, Tennis. Uh, it seems like every year they're coming out with a couple of different sports titles for them. So they're still a big player at Nintendo, it looks like. But their origin apparently is as a dev for Sega. Yeah. They also made some PC games and made a game called Shining Force, which I went back and watched some videos of Shining Force. It's very reminiscent of Golden Sun. Um, yeah, that was kind of like their their claim to fame yeah. before they started doing all those Mario sports games is the the, the Shining Force series. Like a, a strategy RPG, kind of like a... Uh, I think it's grid-based, like Fire Emblem. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so unlike literally every other game that they make, which is seemingly about sports, this one is a very traditional-looking JRPG. Not that different from something you might see from, like, a Square Enix Final Fantasy title. Um, it seems like it's all very kind of by the numbers. I think that it seems like they're the one big mechanic, and John, maybe you can expand on this, but it seems like the one thing that does kind of spice up the formula is how they use these genies, um, where it seems like in a typical RPG, like you have your character and you build your character and then you equip stuff to them, but it's always about the character. It seems like they almost did the opposite, where it seems like it's really about which people are being attached to the genies and how you use them in battle. Yeah. And it seems like that's a big part of not only how you navigate the battles in the in in, in again a very traditional looking, you know, fight item magic kind of way, but then also in the overworld they've got you solving puzzles using them almost like HMs would be used in a Pokemon game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, just uh, to expand it. on that, like like you're saying, like really traditional, and it came out uh, around the time like we just uh, finished talking about uh, the N64, and we talked about this game on the retro show. Uh, I think back in December or November, something like that. But it was a time like there were like no JRPGs coming out for their home console. 
Uh, and like pretty much uh, on the Game Boy at this point, we were just looking at like games like Pokemon uh, as the the flag bearer for RPGs on that platform. So kind of like this. Ret- oh, by the way, and yeah, and to to that point, so that's what this entire franchise exists of. It consists of two games. Um, one that was one game that was split. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And a game was released in two thousand one, and then a sequel in two thousand two for the GBA. And this was all done apparently because the game was just simply too big, too big to fit on one cartridge. So rather than, you know, trying to, you know, break it apart or like try to throw away content, they're just like, all right, we'll make it, we'll make two games out of it. And then way down the line in 2009, they make a largely forgotten third game. Yeah. Um, so for what it's worth, like the first two games combined sold about 3 million, which is pretty good. That puts it in the top, t- the first golden sun is a top 20 seller like just barely i think it's like the 19th best selling game but it is a top 20 seller for the gba and like the last one they made barely sold like 500,000 copies so it's not not that great for them yeah yeah kind of a, a disappointing entry on the ds because the ds was a, a gangbuster selling system by the time it came out uh, in 2009, Japan, I think 2010 in North America. But uh, you think like the, the massive install base that they had on the DS at the time that they should have been able to uh, push some more units. But I wanted to get back real quick to what you were saying about those gins because, yeah, the, the sort of combination of those are what's getting you access to different sorts of skills. And you could, like, because every uh, every gin has a affinity um, kind of like your, your basic like, elemental affinities that you think like earth, wind, fire, water, go planet. Um, and you could like, okay, I want this character to specialize in wind magic. So I'm going to give them all the wind gins and they'll get the most powerful wind spells that way. You could like lock them into sort of like elemental classes. Uh, but certain characters of your four playable characters are going to be more attuned to, uh, like physical bulkiness as opposed to magic. So like, okay, I know an upcoming challenge is going to be weak to fire magic, but I have fire magic on my tanky character. You can switch it all over and have one of your more magically inclined characters casting most powerful spells. Or you can start getting creative and mixing and matching different elements together and doing things like putting uh, like a, an earth-aligned gin with a water-aligned gin will get you magic that will... Uh, uh, have like a, a plant sort of affinity with it. Um, and that's not only like something that'll be uh, g- give you more options in fights, but that's actually something that's required in certain areas of the game. Because like you were saying, they sort of act like these HMs. The areas that you enter in the game, like the sort of dungeons, aren't just like work your way through the maze. You actually have to use uh, skills that you've acquired from getting these gins in order to get you through it. So it becomes like this big puzzle which I really like about the game. Um, to, to me, that's like the standout thing is that it's not just work your way to the end of this dungeon. It's like, no, solve a bunch of puzzles in order to try to get through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like that's one of the, the shining things that comes up frequently when, when people are looking back on this is that they, people seem to love the fact that on the fly, you can completely change the composition of your team. Yeah, And it isn't one of those things where you got to grind the levels at a specific Thing to get them to be able to do something it seems like that's much more fluid 
And they also said, uh, and maybe, maybe you can. I thought, well, two things I thought were really interesting from what what I was reading about it. One was that if you don't equip the genies, you can use them to sort of summon totems, kind of like in I don't know, like Final Fantasy X, that like the unused ones are still accessible in battle, even sure. if they're not equipped to you. They can just kind of go in as big attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they work like uh, yeah, like Final Fantasy summons. That was pretty cool. And and oh, and I saw that. This is a weird thing that maybe a lot of people didn't use, but apparently one of the one of the main characters has a capacity to as like a mind reader, mm. um, mm-hmm. and it can be used on literally like every character in the game. Yeah. So every single character in the game has a separate line of scripted dialogue for what you would think if you read their mind. Right. Which doesn't necessarily change things. I mean, it's probably as much it's probably useful in some capacities to like help you with story like progression i think if you're confused about something you might be able to read some minds and get some ideas of what you're supposed to do but just as like an immersive thing it must be very cool to just every character there is a second excuse to interact with them yeah there there are certain areas especially when you first get the skill where it's like required like no go read some minds to get the information that you need to proceed in the game but yeah then throughout the game you can just go around reading everyone's mind and i think that would be something that'd be kind of fun in like a pokemon style game where you have these NPCs that are all just lunatics to see what like they're actually thinking um, to, to have like those two separate lines of dialogues. I think like a, a company like Game Freak could have a lot of fun uh, completely like flipping the script and what you think of a particular NPC just by giving them some different thought bubbles. Yeah, uh, there is one that brought, was brought up a couple of times that I saw that was very wholesome where there's this guy that works a bridge and if you read his mind and he's like, I couldn't imagine a better life than just operating this bridge. <laughs> and everyone's just like, "Oh, He's achieved so self-actualization. Good for him. Yeah, it's like everyone should be as happy as this guy is about their place in life. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I got a couple more things to, to bring up about it, I guess. Um, uh, probably the biggest selling point on this entire game is the artwork. Um, the artwork is absolutely gorgeous um you know it's it's kind of crazy just how much how how articulate everything is in the game and how much detail there is um you know this is the kind of game where you know in pokemon we turn off the battle animations in this game you want to leave them on it just looks absolutely gorgeous um whether it's the towns that you live in everything just feels like from the artwork just seems so alive um it's absolutely gorgeous and I think that's also kind of why the third game struggles is because they change that and go into this sort of weird polygonal space. Mm. Um, and it kind of loses some of the grandeur of the artwork in it, but absolutely beautiful looking game. Yeah. For dark Dawn, like I like dark Dawn most or uh, more than most people, which is weird because dark Dawn isn't really fondly remembered. It reviewed pretty well though. I think it's got like mid sevens or low eights. So pretty decent reviews, but um yeah, yeah they, I mean that's, that's that's not great though. I mean that's that's fine. That means you made a competent game. Like again, there's their video games are graded on a curve. If it's six, true. it's unplayable game. Yeah, it it, it is gonna. Ten means you cannot play the game. It, it is it is kind of funny where you know, um, and a, a lot of like video game outlets that I, I've I've listened to a bunch of podcasts where this always gets brought up and it frustrates the people who review games because they're like no like. On our review scale, like seven is a good game and an eight is a great game. Like this is like we we put we give it the number, but then we also tell you like no this is this is good. But uh, people like have generally the same attitude that we do, 
is because like if a game is given a seven, they'll talk about it like, no, this is good. But then you wait six months. And if the game gets brought up again, they'll say, eh, it wasn't really that good. So like it's great on a curve and we're aware that it's great on a curve. Like we're, we're ahead of the game when like an outlet is talking about a game that they gave a seven, like, yeah, it's pretty good. We know that the conversation is going to turn around in a few months time. Um, they're like working, they have like some, some recency bias or something going on, but yeah, like, I guess maybe it should be treated like film. The idea that a 60% aggregate score is considered quote unquote fresh mm. means the majority of people were not offended by the existence of sure. this film. Sure. And that's why something like a, um, uh, a Metacritic is, you know, not, uh, not a perfect by any means, uh, view of what like of the quality of a game but it's a good like snapshot like what is it people were thinking about the game when it came out and especially if it like uh, aligns with you know uh, uh critic reviews and fan reviews if those things are pretty similar then you know you got a pretty decent idea of of a quality of a game like at least a starting point but anyway yeah. neither here nor there um yeah, a couple other quick things yeah. to spring up, and then I guess we'll we'll get out of here with with this one, and maybe give some actual great grades to it. But uh, yeah, no major characters. There's not a single recognizable character from this game. Yep. Um, you know, it's been 14 years since the game was last. And I think around. Uh, just to cut you off one more time, I think it was kind of a missed opportunity with the gins because if they had collaborated with some like a Game Freak or a Creatures Inc. to give them like some actual designs and not be like slight variations on the same sort of pixel characters. I think they could have had something going on as far as like uh, a serious mascot or just a little bit more iconography rather than just these different color coded uh, creatures that you summon into battle. Yeah. It seems like there is some room for a monster collector kind of thing mm. that they, they definitely missed out on. Um, so yeah. And I also think the fact that Camelot is a successful studio for Nintendo that they've, you know, you're just from a quick glance at a few other recent titles, they all sell two or three million a piece. So it seems like this studio chugs along doing what it does. Um, oh, and like they made the N64 Mario Golf yep. game as well. Yep. Like, so they've been at this for a very long time. It seems like if anything, this was sort of their their vanity project. Like their this is the thing that they got to make. Um, I think we talk about how sometimes there's poorly timed releases. I think this is an example of a perfectly timed release i think that this is uh one of those games that cements the gba as a rpg machine mm. um and it also is very well timed in that it's this series is coming out when their main console line is struggling um it keeps nintendo relevant to have titles like this going around and to keep them you know relevant as a brand and to give them a really good game to have in their catalog um, yeah, so for yeah. sure, for sure. I think uh, Golden Sun and Golden Sun Lost Age um, came out a really great time for the the GBA. Uh, Dark Dawn, you know, I, th I think it should have done better because it came out like right in like the the prime of, or may maybe because 3DS was out in 2011, maybe a little bit late. But I don't know. They had such a huge install base. Uh, I kind of think that if Nintendo had been doing like Nintendo Directs back in 2009, 2010 when this game came out, they might have been able to give this a little bit of a nudge to move some more units because they had like that direct marketing with their fan base. Um, I'd be interested to see how this series would do releasing now because I think they, they have a much more 
uh, like I was saying, direct line to a customer base so they can really market this thing. Say like, hey, we think this thing is cool. You should think so too. Yeah. Um, so then let's get into some 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 ratings yeah. here. So longevity. I mean, I'm giving it an F plus. Like I don't know a high F. Mm. Uh, it existed for a hot minute. It was really really big, really really cool. But like you know it. It struggled. It yeah. struggled from there after they have one title and they can't crack a million sales on it. That's pretty bad. Sales, giving it a C minus. Again, um, great, great sales on those first two titles. But, you know, this series sold about as well as ARMS. <laughs> Where did we put ARMS on the list? You know? We haven't put it anywhere reception, yet. Yeah, uh, reception, giving it an A. Um, again, because it, it, those early games, those first two games, people really do fondly remember. And if you go back and look at it, it's a quality product. So you can clearly tell that these guys knew what they were doing and crafted a great game. Iconography and reach, I was given an F. Like, I don't know anything about it. So overall, I got to give it like a mid D. Yep. I can't, can't really say too much about the series. It's just sort of lost to time. And um, again, one of those franchises that uh, if they could ever tear away this developer, Camelot, Maybe they could, you know, have them do their thing. That'd be interesting to see them do another one. Yeah, um, yeah I, I overall I put it as D as well. I think we're in the exact yeah. same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Wes, any any uh, opinion? Do you concur? Nope, nope. I think you guys got this. You guys are always better at like analyzing this stuff than do I. Do you know do. this game, Wes? Did you play it ever? I played the first one, but I didn't play any of the other ones. And I did enjoy the first one. It, it has, like John said, with all that, it, it's it's just a fun way to integrate the system so you can explore the map in nice, interesting mm-hmm. ways. Um, but yeah, this this was a good game. I, I just never played any of the other ones. Wes, uh, quick prediction. Where do you think Kid Icarus goes? Ooh. I mean... It's not like we've got we gotten one other Kid Icarus since Kid Icarus. So I mean, there there there, there are knowledge, three Kid right? Icarus games. Oh, there's three. My mistake. Yeah, there are three out there. Um, I don't know. It's got to be either an F. Well, let's get into it. I mean, I can't, uh, Kid Icarus. It's yeah. a platforming adventure game. The first game was produced by a legendary Nintendo guy, Gunpei Yokoi. If you're not familiar with him, he worked at Nintendo since way, way, way in the, the, the mid 20th century. Um, back when they like had a, a toy division, and he was kind of the, the guy who um, led the project to make the Game Boy out of old calculator parts. Um, produced a lot of their early software, including Kid Icarus. Uh, and it, Kid Icarus as a game on the NES is kind of considered by some to be a sister game of Metroid. They were kind of developed around the same time and share some design sensibilities. I think some of that might be a little bit overblown, sort of like uh, the stuff of, of urban legend rather than like actual fact. Um, some of like the jumping and the... Sh- uh, the design sensibilities that are similar, like jumping and shooting are your main mechanics, but it's the same way in Mega Man 2. Uh, yeah. It's like real life. Uh, every, every fourth level in Kid Icarus is a sort of dungeon level, which is a little bit more akin to a Metroid because you got to like grab the, the key item or the, or the key that you need in order to unlock the final boss's door. Uh, what's different is that you don't really get um, an easy-to-use map in Kid Icarus. 
Uh, so a lot of times you can end up wandering around in circles. There are also these these uh, dudes, a uh, series icon for Kid Icarus, uh, eggplant wizards, who, if they hit you with one of your projectiles, you turn into an eggplant with legs, which leaves you totally helpless, unable to attack, until you find the one or maybe one of the couple of rooms in that dungeon that will turn you back into uh, a normal character. Um, there are sustained upgrades, so that's similar to Metroid. Uh, things like your your HP, the range of your your arrows, because you're shooting with a, a bow and arrow in this game. Um, there are side-scrolling levels, but a majority of the levels are vertical with a with a wraparound. So like there are those so stages in in Mario Two or Mario Three where you're moving vertically, and if like you you walk off the right side of the screen, you end up coming back through on the left side, which I think is always kind of a, a fun mechanic in video games. Um, it's a series that never really got its footing early on. It does get a sequel on the Game Boy uh, in 1991. Original releases in 1986. You get the sequel on Game Boy in 1981. That's Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters. Uh, Ryan, did you have anything about this game before we get into some of the specifics? Um, I'll let you kind of carry the lead on this. I mean, I've got like the sales numbers and stuff like that. And I, I do think that there is something interesting to be said about this being the sort of the, the forgotten game released alongside the first Zelda and Metroid. Yeah. I think that that's, that's interesting, but I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you talk. Go for it. I mean, it's, uh, it is interesting because, you know, you have, uh, games like, uh, uh, Metroid and Zelda, which early on are doing similar things, but on different planes. Zelda, you're working like top down, and Metro is is, is side scrolling, and you get both of those series that continue on Super Nintendo. And after you know Super Metroid releases, y- it makes you wonder like what w- what could they have done with Kid Icarus that Super Metroid hadn't already done? So it might have ended up in a situation like F Zero ended up in uh, a couple decades ago, where like, okay, well, everything we're doing with racing games, we're now just putting into Mario Kart. So where does that leave us with with F Zero? But um, as far as longevity, original releases in December of 1986, like I said, you get the sequel in 1981. Then the series goes totally dormant until 2012, which quick math is 22 years later. It goes dark. And we're now... I know, that's wild. Yeah. You get a 3DS title out of it. Yeah. Um, and we, Which sold pretty well, by the way. I have it as... It sold over a million copies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, um, man, a, a really strange direction to take this series. I mean, I guess, like, just having another game is a strange direction to take this series. Um, but uh, Uprising was a game that was uh, produced and maybe directed, I think, by... Uh, Masahiro Sakurai, who, if you're not familiar with the name, he does the Smash Brothers games, and he turned it into sort of an arcade shooter, not too dissimilar from a game that we're going to talk about in a little bit, Sin and Punishment, um, where you're behind the back using the stylus to move your like your aiming reticle and shoot enemies that are coming at you. Uh, there are points in the game where you go on foot and sort of roam around. It becomes like this hack and slash game, but there's like no platforming and no like uh, dungeon mazes that you're solving uh, in th- throughout this game. Um, and like the, the control scheme was notoriously so wonky that when they shipped the game originally, it came with 
a stand so you could put your 3ds like on a table so that you could like manipulate the controls without contorting your hands into these odd positions which you know is just a surefire sign of great design like no we need to make a peripheral for this in order to make it playable um but as far as longevity 1986 it does go dormant for a long time it's now been dormant for over a decade again i think the best you can go with that is a is a c probably more like a d but it has like been around since 1986 so i'm it's an early game uh for iconography the most recognizable stuff in this game these games are like the greek mythology icons like you have medusa in this game, I think there's a Minotaur in one of the games, like uh, Poseidon. So, you know, it's a, a lot of the, the recognizable stuff, it's aping from other cultures. So, the the main character in this game, Pit, as we know from Smash Brothers, um, was in the Captain N cartoon series, if anyone remembers that. It probably hurts the iconography of this game rather than helps it. But it uh, was a, um, a cartoon series, short-lived, about this kid who's just super good at video games. And then he gets sucked into a video game where he's like, everyone's just super impressed that he knows anything about video games. And like Zelda is in the game, and Simon Belmont from Castlevania is in the game, and Mega Man, and Pit from Kid Icarus. And in the show, they call him Kid Icarus, not Pit. Um, so I didn't even bother like learning the character's name when they were writing him in. Uh, like I, I do think it's funny that all th- like all three games, the character is mistaken for the name of the game, right. even though it's not who they are. Right. Link is Zelda. <laughs> Samus is Sam. Like, not Samus Metroid. is not Metroid. Her name is not Metroid, yeah. right? And this is Kid Icarus, and I get why they called it Kid Icarus. It makes sense because he's not Icarus. He's like he's like a Kid Icarus. Right. Right, you know, and, and he's, he's got wings, and, he, and he's also and he's not. I, and Wes, you're, you can um actually this game right here because Icarus wasn't like, because like, I, I think like Pit is supposed to be based off of Theseus who enters the labyrinth and like fights the Medusa and the the Minotaur and stuff, and Icarus is just some guy. I mean, he's probably his dad made wings off of Icarus. You don't fly yeah, in so Kid Icarus, Icarus and. Yeah, well, Icarus and Daedalus were... I forget where they were trapped. I think they were trapped in the labyrinth. I can't remember. But in order to escape, Daedalus creates wings. The wings have wax in it. He tells Icarus, don't fly close to the sun. The wax will melt. And then that proceeds to happen, and Icarus dies. So that's that's what Icarus is in Greek mythology. And I actually do need to make a correction. You do fly in some levels of Kid Icarus. But anyway, neither here nor there. Playable character in Smash Brothers, starting with Brawl back on Wii... Um, he's which I think means he's been in equal, if not more, Smash games than he's been in Kid Icarus games. Um, and they, they you know, I think it helps them though in terms of iconography because, like, I at least know who Pit is. Right. So I, I think I know the character. I know exactly I, I, what he looks like. I know he's got the cool spinny sword things, and he's the bow and arrow. And there's Dark Pit. I mean, if it, if, yeah. if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Smash, this character would. So I, I think for away. iconography, you you can get a D. Like you don't get an F because it is a recognizable character. It's not a major character, but oh, it's not even a D. I think it's okay. And I haven't been saying my ratings. I have my own ratings, and we're diverging a bit here. Like, see, this this this, this is a tough rating though because I mean, do you give him? 
the iconography off of its own Oof. merits? No, you, you give it off a of smash. So you're, he's not getting into iconography. Yeah, off it's his like own the iconography merit. of the character rather than the series. But anyway, I wanted to know what you, you thought of like the the longevity. It's like I'm, this is my best friend Shaquille O'Neal. Like people only know. Wes, know we're going to get into Shaq from I mean, a different show. Yes. Uh, right. No, it's long, and it's longevity. I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that this sold two million copies, like on the NES. Like that's a that's a big foundational piece of it. But yeah, like I mean, not what did you give it? Like a D or an F for longevity? I, uh, I had a C. Oh, see, I, yeah, I would do like a D on it. I honestly think that it's it's okay to have sold three million, dating all the way back into the eighties. Like that's that's good. But yeah, and I, I don't like. The Game Boy sequel is the problem. They made a sequel four years later, and it didn't have much traction. I, I couldn't find any again, sales data for that one. Yeah, and then again, they actually make a pretty good 3DS title that sells well, but they haven't touched the same mm. franchise since. There... Aside from again, yeah, but when, when was the last Game came out? You... Yeah, 2012. 2012. So I mean, you can't really give it longevity. I mean, yeah, the first game. Well, was I, in the I 80s, think like I mean, it's not. I, I think like arguing like, about generation had a chance to play it as well like more more gener- generational overlap again versus uh, again golden sun yeah. well i think you gotta give longevity based on how many things came out but you can't really give them longevity off of three because they were such a huge i think maybe we like argue i mean i think maybe we argue the games. particular points when we finally get to the end because we might just land on the same letter grade at the end here so, i think we will i think we will yeah that's, that's i'm sorry i'm, I'm digressing but what, what did you think of like iconography what did you think of that I give it an A minus. <laughs> Maybe I'm way off base. I give it an A minus. I love Pit. I think Pit's a great character, and I... <laughs> yeah, but you like him because of Smash. You well, like let's, him let's go over crap. to sales because, like you were saying, Kid Icarus for the NES does really well. Almost sells Kid Icarus. Tight platformer. Almost, almost sells, uh, <laughs> almost sells two million on the NES. Really, really good in 1986. Like super impressive. Um, no real reliable sales information or any real sales information that I could find for of myths and monsters on the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. Uh, so who knows? And Kid Up Uprising, uh, Kid Icarus Uprising for 3DS does about 1.2 million, which should merit a sequel. You know, you moved a million on 3DS that should get you somewhere but for whatever reason like this this series can't get the traction so for sales you're looking at sort of like the the b minus or c range um if we're basing it off of like how we rank things like fire emblem and xenoblade it sells a little bit less than those um but then like the sort of like uh prestige or acclaim um it's obviously not an important series to nintendo for whatever reason i think that there could be a place for this uh it's probably only like the character pit is probably only in Smash Brothers because of Sakurai and Team Sora, who developed both Uprising and the Smash Brothers games. Um, otherwise, like if Nintendo were still making Smash Brothers games themselves, I don't know they would have been included, which would be a bad thing. Uh, user reviews pretty well, not amazing, but uh, but well, I think it was like a, a little bit better than what you're looking at for Golden Sun, at least for for Dark Dawn. Um, and also, like we were saying, like the series took a bit of a hard turn when it came to Uprising. It made a very different game. Uh, overall, I had this uh, this game at a D. The series at a D. I wrote low C, so I'm not going to fight you on that. Okay. I think that, yeah, 
put a high D. Well, you know, we, we, just... we'll, we'll stick it somewhere. And then if we feel like it, we can do a, a wrap up where we start punching each other about where what game should go in what tier. Yeah. Um, Ryan, let's move on to uh, your other one, Sin and Punishment. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Sin and Punishment, this is another one that, I mean, it could have just as easily been left off the list, frankly. Mm. It's not a big deal. It's two games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's made by... Sin and yeah, Punishment. Sin and Punishment. Uh, so it's made by a company called Treasure Video Games, which is mostly known for making anime video games. Uh, they're probably proudest of having made Ikaruga. That's a recognizable game and a very popular That's on Switch. Yep. They also That's made, on Switch. It is yeah, a lot of fun. Gradius 4, or sorry, Gradius 5 as well. I don't know if they were involved in 1 through 4. Um, they haven't made any new games as a studio. They have not made any new games uh, since 2014, but it doesn't appear that they've formally shut down because they keep re-releasing Ikaruga in any way that they possibly can. Yeah, so they're going to release that one on the TI-83 yeah. next, I think. Yeah, they, they, it's it's weird. They seem to like be like <laughs> this sort of shell now where they'll re-release some stuff every once in a while, but yeah, long time since they made a new game, which is a shame. Yeah, so you mentioned a second ago when you were talking about that 2012 Kid Icarus game. Um, what what kind of games are these? These are rail shooters, essentially. It's anime-drenched, bonkers, off-the-walls, action-oriented mech anime rail shooters. Um, they made two games, one of which actually came out for the N64, and it's often regarded as one of the more gonzo titles on the platform. And then they made a sequel for the Wii. Um, yeah, it's got a really bombastic, unique art style. Um, it's so vibrant and colorful and busy. It's it's just a, an adrenaline-pumped game through and through, and it kind of exists somewhere in that space between, like, kind of like a Star Fox game, but also, like, House of the Dead. Hmm. Um, it, it's, it seems like it wants you to kind of move around in these... Um, like uh what do you call them? like diorama environments while not getting hit while just shooting stuff and the screen's absolutely going bonkers uh a, again a, a very stylish looking game um that said these are almost like arcade games practically the, fir- the first game you can beat in about an hour yeah uh the second game is twice as long but that's still two hours that's <laughs> not a very long game um it's also interesting because it's got english voice work but japanese subtitles uh, yeah, I guess they, yeah. the the original game for the N sixty four was never released outside of Japan until like the Virtual Console. So yeah. that, that's gone now, and I think I think you can play it on Nintendo Switch Online with the expansion pack. Yeah, it's there, and uh, I can't find sales data, but neither game sold more than a million copies. Yeah, what, what maybe, I maybe combined they sold a million copies. I have no idea. What I found was uh the N64 released only in Japan and moved 100,000 units, which is pretty bad even for just a solo release in one country. And then for the Wii, you get about uh 400,000, which is not good. Like it released I think in um 2010 in North America on the Wii. Um and the Wii had a huge install base, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is one, so that's, that's, uh, another one where I can't help but think if like Nintendo had their like direct marketing Nintendo Directs, they probably could have moved a few more units. But they just kind of like it, it was a weird announcement when this happened. When they're like, "Oh yeah, we're doing a sequel to Sin and Punishment, and it's gonna be out later this year." Um, it was very strange because it was like, "Why? Why are you making this game?" Like 
the, you're making an on-rails shooter for the Wii and it's not Star Fox, it's Sin and Punishment? Okay. I mean, I bought it, but I'm one of 400,000 people that bought it. Admittedly, this game looks cooler than a Star Fox game. It, do, it does have a nice visual flair. And, if, you know, we don't grade box art, but this is S-tier box art. <laughs> like, the box art for both of these titles look fucking amazing. They look like comic books that you would want to read. Um, I mean, it's not an old man sitting the banjo. in his house and <laughs> the banjo and the endless abyss of space behind oh, We him. could we add know. box art into the tier rankings. We could make it a factor. <laughs> I, I think we should. I think we should. Well, yeah, it's like when you look back at a lot of those like uh, '80s like NES games where they've got the most amazing looking artwork and stuff, and then it's like just a big old slab of pixels mm. just bouncing into each other. It's like what the fuck am I looking at? At any rate, yeah. So I, I don't, honestly don't really have all that much to say. I think I told you all of my notes on it. I mean, yeah, it's a very cool, stylish anime rail shooter um, that never really went anywhere and had a fairly brief existence did you like have any specific grades or just want to do an overall one? Oh, i mean i, I did great uh like longevity i gave it a high f uh sales uh, i gave it a, a high f reception gave it an a people seem to like it i mean it's it's whatever and iconography i'd never heard of it before this way so you've enough overall all of that added up to uh b plus no. <laughs> <laughs> i gave it a high f yeah i have it in the f tier as well it's sad, but we'll probably yeah. never see another one of these games. They do some franchise care by like dropping the N64 game into their their virtual console or online services, which is weird and really cool that they do that. But this this is a, a, a franchise of no particular significance. But let's go over to my last one, Box Boy which is a puzzle platformer from HAL Labs, who are probably most famous for doing all the, the Kirby games. Um, and it's yeah. actually kind of surprising that they made a game with this sort of concept, like with a brand new character, and it didn't end up being like a, like a box Kirby. Like they didn't try to shoehorn Kirby in because this was a, you know, coming out in 2015, 2016, 2017, like Kirby was, you know, a popular character and they seem to like to, like, if, if they had a, a concept like a Kirby's Epic Yarn or Kirby Mass Attack, these sort of things, like, they start with uh, an idea for game mechanic, and then they decide, yeah, okay, let's just put Kirby in that, because they want some sort of mascot character in these these new uh, mechanical concepts. But for whatever reason, they decide, like, no, we'll just uh, have this game be monochromatic, and you're just going to play as a, a square with eyeballs in your box boy. Um, so the, the basic mechanic. Yeah, and I think that I think there's kind of like a uh, untitled goose game mm. quality to it, where it's like it's knowingly stingy, like it's willfully, cheaply looking made. I mean, I mean the backgrounds are very high def though. Mm. Oftentimes the backgrounds are very like elaborate and stuff, in spite of the fact that what you're essentially doing is playing as a little box. Yeah, you're moving squares around. A uh, so basic game mechanic is that uh, you're a little box character and you build like boxes and they have to be in a line out of yourself in whatever pattern and you're using it to like uh, press switches, build platforms, hang onto ledges, uh, things like of that nature. And they do come up with a lot of different mechanics, an impressive amount of fun ideas and puzzles where you're using like these boxes that you're hanging onto or throwing in different ways. And they managed to keep it fresh through like all four games. I think it. Um, 
the the general consensus was the 2019 release that they had on Switch was a bit long in the tooth. They started to run out of ideas, but it's still super impressive that they made four of these games and they they managed to like maintain some sort of freshness uh, until they got to the back half of the the Switch release a couple years back. I guess four years back now. Um, but I, I really don't have any other like the high level stuff. Um, it uh, the for for longevity, this game. Series of games first released on 3DS eShop. These are eShop only titles. These don't get physical releases. Uh, three years in a row, 15, 16, 17, you get to 3DS eShop releases, then you get the 2019 on the Switch, like I said. It's a pretty new series. For longevity, I'll go with a D because it seems to be an ongoing series. It's been a while since we got one, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see another one someday. As far as iconography, uh, sorry, Boxwell, you get an F, you're a box. There's, yeah. I, I guess, like you could make an argument, like there's, there's a, a sort of charm of the simplicity, but you know, you couldn't have someone, like you couldn't commission art for this character and have anyone recognize it. It's a square. Um, for sales, you get an incomplete grade here because Nintendo doesn't report on digital sales, or at least didn't at the time. So, I mean, the the game probably did okay. They made four of them, but I don't think we're talking about millions of downloads. Maybe, I was, but I just I penciled into my notes one dash two million sure. sold lifetime sales as a guess, and I also think it's important to note that How Labs uh, had Kirby's Forgotten Land, which sold six million copies right. last year alone. Right, so <laughs> that's that should give you a sense of scale. Yeah, and I think um, they just re-released this year Kirby Return to Dreamland, and I think it moved three to four million already so far this year. So yeah, so How How Labs knows. They, they know where, kind of yeah, where their bread is buttered. Right. Uh, and as far as like prestige or reception, I went with it with a C on this one. They all reviewed quite well. Um, it could possibly like be the best reviewed and most recognized like digital only Nintendo series. Like the other digital only Nintendo series that, you know, we've mentioned things like uh, Pushmo or I think like Dylan's Rolling Western is one that's on the docket to get to at some point. Um, yeah. Th- these are things that were... were interesting trifles uh when they first released but don't didn't really have any staying power i think box boy out of all of them probably had the most staying power uh overall i went with a respectful d plus i have it as a mid d and i I kind of agree i do have one thing to say about it though yeah yeah and that's that maybe like the, the handhelds were a good medium but if they were to bring it back i just watched these i just watched gameplay of this i know we played it a little bit too you know what this is these are this is a mobile phone game. Mm. This is perfect for that. Play a level, watch an ad. Play an level, a level, watch an ad. Play an ev- a level, watch an ad, and you make so much money doing this. <laughs> You're making my skin crawl. Right? <laughs> this is the kind of game that's perfect for those where they're just selling other games just like it. You know? Mm. And I think that because we've talked about this already, right? This is another one. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm buying this franchise because I want to put it alongside Nintendogs, Art mm. Academy, and Brain Age and release them all as a suite of mobile games. It, 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 it makes my skin crawl, but not because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, the ads that would play between the levels would be ads for Art Academy and Nintendo. <laughs> That's the snake eating its own tail. How do they make any money advertising on their own games? <laughs> like, we'll, we'll pay us a hundred bucks to advertise on our game. 
<laughs> anyway, um, any other tier ranking like topics that we need to uh, address? Should we move on? No, I don't think so. I, I think I don't know if we've already taken like the best of the games, but like everything here is like mm. we we got low low C at best. Yeah, we're to, to F. We're, we're we're definitely like filling out the lower tiers at this point. I think we do have a couple of franchises yet to get to that will rise up a bit higher. Um, okay. Obviously, did did you guys get the the chat message that I sent? We can do a quick game. Okay, like, I I did see a message yeah. here. Okay. It seems to be a list of games and then a list of people I'm aware of. Yes, so I have sent you... Uh, we're we're, we're going to play a game here real quick. And you guys can play as a team if you want, or we can like turn into a competition if you're feeling competitive. But I've sent you okay. a list of 10 either games or Nintendo hardware, and 10 people okay. who endorsed one of those in a commercial. So okay. let's just go through the list, and you tell me... Who endorsed what game? And, I, and we can um, we we can do like you, you can you can take a pass and come back to it later if you want to use like the process of elimination. I got to tell you up front, I don't know who Brian Blessed is. Brian Blessed is a um, you're aware of the show Peppa Pig. Yes, he voices Dad Pig. Okay, he he's like that. He, right. He's oh, a British right. actor, right. and he um, is a, is, a, is very odd, boisterous man. I'll send you a video clip of this fucking lunatic at some point but um yeah he's uh he, he's got like that that deep gruff voice wes anything stick out immediately for you <sighs> nothing sticks out immediately so for you. i know robin um, Will- yeah robin williams like should be pretty easy to figure that out because he's not gonna be in like anything like a switch related well there's two zelda games i mean it is his his daughter's name yeah. zelda i know he loves the game well, the, the, the two Zelda the two Zelda things. The two Zelda things I'll, I'll clarify. Uh, one sure. is for the Ocarina of Time remake for Zelda for 3DS, and there's also a special edition Gold Zelda Nintendo DS. And one, um, the, the special edition I'm referring to the hardware there. So they got a celebrity oh. to. Uh, that, that, neither of those can be right. I also feel like maybe Paul so. Rudd as a child actor was in a movie about video games i don't know i might be wrong about that you're on the right track an endorsement he made when he was a kid you're on the right track i know neil patrick harris was in a Correct. big brain academy yeah, that's one. Oh, yep yep nice. that one i got that one I got. It was a weird one. It's like him and his husband and his kids, and he's like trying to beat his kids, but his kids keep beating him. He was him, so trying like to beat by his kids to get better. Oh my god! Yeah, and then he beats his kids. And the last John, thing he was trying to in the he's trying to best his children. Oh, okay. Jeez. All right. <laughs> <laughs> they just kept on getting away. Uh, yeah, and then he kissed his husband right in front <laughs> they of them. They just kept their sleeping. They were quick. <laughs> Those are quick little kids. So we got that one. Um. All right, so that's one down. We got that one. Okay, what? If, yeah, let's go back to Robin Williams. Do we think Robin Williams was an Ocarina of Time, or he was selling Ocarina of Time, or a special Zelda 3DS? I mean, when when did he die? When did he die? I feel like maybe four or five years ago. Have I got that right? Or so I don't. I don't think we'll have those 3DS stuff three or four years ago. Three, five, four. No, we would. We would. If it was only four or five years ago. I'm thinking the other way. I am so tired right now. I actually now. don't know when Robin Williams <laughs> passed. So, <clears throat> all right. Well, let's uh, let's just put it out there and say I'm gonna say Ocarina of Time. Yep, Robin Williams did uh, an Ocarina of Time commercial with his daughter Zelda. 
Oh, yep. I gotta see very, that very commercial. Cool. I gotta see that commercial. That there you go. Good, that's that two. Was good. That was good. Um, I think okay. Anyone? Well, so Rhythm Heaven. I'm guessing that was a music game. Rhythm Heaven is yeah a, a sort of a music game where uh, Wes, not too dissimilar from Elite Beat Agents, where you're tapping along with uh, with the music. Yeah, I would think that feels like a Beyonce thing. That is a Beyonce thing. Okay. Rhythm. Yeah, yeah, the original yeah. Rhythm Heaven for DS. Beyonce did a couple of commercials for that one. Um, I'm gonna say just keep going. I feel I'm feeling good about this one. Switch Sports. I bet that's Rafael Nadal. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, he's an athlete. He's I don't a know tennis who Rafael player. Nadal is. Yeah, he's a tennis player. Oh, well, that makes sense. Though. Um, <laughs> gosh, what do we have? What do you think, Wes? What do you think about the Wu Tang Clan? What do you think they were? What do you think they were repping? Oh, God, that feels is, like I will tell you so... that they did not appear in the commercial. They did uh, a specific track for the commercial. They didn't like. They didn't use one of their existing okay. songs. They didn't license anything out. Wu Tang Clan did a song for a third like second commercial. Tropical. They're like Tropical Freeze. I think that might be Tropical Freeze. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, all of this is gonna be guesses for. I me also, at this I also, like, quick I side hate, note. I, I think Rick and Morty might be Fortnite. What do you think, Wes? I wouldn't be surprised because they did Fortnite skins for Rick and I'll Morty. Say, I believe. Let's. I don't know. I never played it, but you agree? Like okay. Well, what do you think, John? Is that is that you're saying? Rick and Morty did the the Fortnite one. Fortnite. No. Yeah. No. Ah, so yeah. Rick and Morty, uh, in the actual show, uh, like during the show, did an ad for the special edition Nintendo Legend of Zelda 3DS. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't remember that at I all. I didn't watch the show much, so I can't. They they, they did an ad, and then at the, at the end of it, like uh, Rick screams at the screen, Nintendo, send me free shit. Nice. Okay, that still leaves Fortnite out there. We might, uh, we don't want to just say everything is Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't want so, to so you guys got that. Uh, but, I mean, Jessica Albin's not going to do it. You guys got to. Yeah, Brie, Brie Larson would be a more recent thing, don't you think? I mean, maybe for Fortnite, because I think they did do, like, a superhero kind of thing. So maybe Brie Larson, because she was Marvel. I would agree with that. Let's try that. Yeah, yeah. Brie Larson did a Fortnite okay. one. Um, it, she, oh, yeah. she, it was also, uh, I think, doing some Ring Fit Adventure in the same commercial, but Fortnite was absolutely part of it as well. Yep. All right, what do we have? What do we got left uh, in here? Mario, Mario Golf is still on the list, as is the Super Game Boy, the Super Nintendo, and Tropical Freeze. You got those four left. Okay. And you haven't assigned. Wait, just the straight yep. up super. Yep. Nintendo. And you haven't uh, assigned Jessica Alba, the Wu Tang Clan, Paul Rudd, or Brian Blessed to anything. Who is Brian Blessed again? He's the voice of Daddy Pig. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll just I'll just give you guys that one. Uh, he did a voiceover for a thirty second spot on uh, Tropical Freeze. Oh, okay. Oh. So right. I think, um, in terms of age, right? Like Wu Tang Clan released Thirty Six Chambers in like nineteen ninety four. So that Super Nintendo would have been big at the time. That's why I was thinking too. Like if they're gonna like do a special thing, it's probably gonna be for like the yeah. console. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you guys a, a brief hint because I'll, I'll tell you you're on the right track. Uh, the Super Nintendo, uh, and then the Super Game Boy is a peripheral for the Super Nintendo. It allows you to play Game Boy games with 
a color palette on your Super Nintendo, like at home. Hmm. You can plug it into your Super Nintendo. So you're saying it's Super Game Boy? I'm saying that's up to you. I'm just giving you all the information. Uh, You got a 50-50 shot. Let's just go Super Game Boy. Yeah, Super Game Boy. They did a track for the Super Game Boy. So you got uh, the Super Nintendo and Mario Golf left. And your two people are Jessica Alba and Paul Rudd. Uh, Paul Rudd, Super Nintendo. Yep. There he is. And then Jessica Alba did did a commercial. Jessica Alba's done a couple. Jessica Alba also did... A, uh, a commercial. I think it was for like Mario Tennis or something like that. She's on a couple. Oh, Jessica Alba, noted huckster. Noticed seller <laughs> of things. <laughs> Known more for that than for acting these days. I think she retired. Yeah, yeah. I think she said Fantastic yeah, Four is the best film that's mm, ever been made. Yeah, best ever, yeah. Do any, do any better. I mean, when you look at the filmography, you got the Fantastic Four and the sequel, Fantastic Four Part Two, and uh, Camp right, Nowhere. Silver Surfer. So... Yeah. Oh, she was a background actress in Camp Nowhere. Oh, she was a background actress in Camp Nowhere. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Jessica Alba, super fan. <laughs> oh, my God. Camp Nowhere. That, that was a movie, man. Any other topics that you guys, let's, let's open it up. Anything you want to talk about? You seen any movies? <laughs> open it up. Let's open hey, it we, up. We've oh been really tightly regimented to this point. Let's so let's, uh, let's just spitball here. Let's just riff. Any other uh, topics that you guys wanted to talk about? I did see a I feel like I watched something about I watched, Blanket. I watched on it, In the so. Earth, which was a really good movie. I don't know that one. Made by this guy. Yeah, it's made by this guy Ben Wheatley. Uh, ben Wheatley made. Um, he's made some interesting movies. He made a movie called High Rise, and he made one called um, Sightseers. A very weird film. Most of his movies are very psychedelic and strange. He is actually supposed to direct uh, Meg Two: The Trench coming out later this year. Oh sure, yeah. Um, so he makes very weird psychedelic films. So it's very funny to see him be making such like a schlocky studio horror film. Yeah, it's like a fucking Sharknado um, type thing. Yeah. Uh, but in the Earth, it was a essentially it was a it was a COVID project, I guess you could call it. It's about um, you know a, a bunch of like. Small communities of people exist, and there's been this big horrible disease, obviously, like kind of like COVID. Um, and it's about these two researchers that are searching for someone that's gone missing. And it's a horror film, essentially, about what they've been up to. It gets into the occult. Um, it's all very uh, serene and beautiful and woodsy, like a very pastoral. Um, and uh, one of the best integrations of a soundtrack into a film, um, but done by Clint Mansell. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, it's very methodical and very drugged out, though, so I mean, be ready for that. But it's a good little horror film, and, and does a lot of interesting stuff with, um, you know, with with the occult. Uh, speaking of um, COVID films. Have you recently watched that uh, that Soderbergh movie, Contagion? Contagion. I remember seeing it back in the day, but I haven't seen it recently. I rewatched it like maybe a year back, and my god, he was like spot on. Oh, yeah, really? he fucking nailed it. Like a, 
uh, COVID, like the, the the disease that he was dealing with, wasn't a uh, like a COVID type disease. This was like if you get it, you're going to die, kind of thing. Yeah. But like everything from like people having to shelter in place to the effect that it would have on like uh, uh, people's ability to socialize and uh, specifically like children. Yeah, like th- th- he he went some places in that movie. Like yeah, that's that's exactly what we just went through. Thanks for digging that up, Soderbergh. He's also got a, a new series on uh, HBO right now um, that, that I've, I watched a couple episodes on. It seems uh, all right so far, but anyway. Um, also watched uh, that Adam Driver movie, 65, where he's at space. I'm about, I'm about 15 minutes into it, and I don't know I'm mowing back. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think I was like... Uh, uh, playing a game on my Switch while I was watching it, so it just ended up being background noise. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of that actress, the young girl actress in it, oh, yeah. because she's also in um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, um, and she also, uh, oddly enough, is a, is a big character in the TV show Upload, um, which I enjoyed. Huh. Watched that uh, the last season of that, maybe like six months ago, so, but. So yeah, she's been making the rounds, or she's just happens to have randomly been in a bunch of random things I saw. But I mean, yeah, yeah, like uh, I was ready for an uh, Adam Driver mind off dinosaur movie. Um, I'll probably go back to it at some point. What was your, what was your take on it? I think I kind of. I know it seemed fine. Seemed fine. I, yeah. I I was uh, not offended, but it might have also just been the fact that I was playing Zelda at the same time. I was like, yeah, all right. I look up. There's a dinosaur. Like you look like you have longer legs than you should. But whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. What do I know about dinosaurs? Maybe it's all perfectly accurate, but they didn't have feathers. So, yeah. Did we talk about the, the... how sexy were these dinosaurs? Not sexy at all. Ah, <laughs> <no>. ruined. <laughs> uh, Wes, you got anything uh, that, that you watched recently that you want to share? No, I I can't I can't really think of. It. I, oddly enough, I went back and finished last season of Steven Universe because I never did, and that joy that show's a joy. Is the show like a officially over? Are they not doing it anymore? Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. They they finished that years ago, but I never mm. I never actually finished last season, so I binged that. That's why I was trying to think. I was like, I watched something, and yeah, I, yeah. That's pretty much the extent of it. I rewatched Suicide Squad the other Which day. One? I don't know why because I was just bored. Uh, the the good Ooh, one. You got to be okay. Uh, the second one. I mean, the second one. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. It was good. It was I mean, good. I I had uh, as much fun in the second one as I did like the first. I think the, the second one is definitely more like uh, uh I, I don't know, bombastic. Um, it it embraces the weirdness a little bit more. But like the first one, I thought was fine until you got to the end and it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, they 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 stumbled at the finish line. That was pretty Did rough. we talk at all about yeah. the Flash or the new Spider-Man movie? I haven't ah. seen either, and God help you if you ruin okay. Spider-Man. I think you might have mentioned uh, the the Flash when we were not recording the other day, but that one's actually coming out uh, on HBO pretty soon, so I'll be able to catch that. I actually, like, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really nice. Fun. I, I know that the main guy in it. I, I forget the actor's name. I know he's a, he's in personal life he's a real fuck up. Uh, Ezra but, Miller or something like that. Yeah, Ezra Miller. Um, but yeah. I mean, do we know if he's like still in the DCU? Are they gonna keep going? That might with be that a guy spoiler. Or... Yeah, I, mean, I don't really don't know. Um, but they they put on a good good performance. Like I I liked their version of 
the flash and uh all in all it was really cool i mean you can see tell that they totally wanted to like pivot away from all of that that stuff and focus more on the fact that michael keaton is in it um just from the trailers that they've been doing and you know what michael keaton still got it he still got it he's really <laughs> hell yeah it. i enjoyed it it was really good and the new spider-man movie was also really cool too like they're both yeah both good and both very different uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we talked about Spider-Man uh, briefly before. I, I liked it as well. I took the girls to go see it. Uh, it is a very long movie. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm, I'm five hours. Is, long. There's an intermission. Um, but I, I might not have felt the length if it didn't have the kids with me because I'd be able to like just really focus more on the movie. Um, but yeah, like there there were times where like it was like two hours and fifteen minutes long, and I think they could have cut a good twenty twenty five minutes. Anytime there's a chase scene. That's like 15 minutes long. Should have been eight. Um, and they, they they do that a couple of times. Like they they really had a lot of eye candy, and they really reveled in it. Which I, I don't mean to like uh, uh, be negative about that. Like they did something really cool, and they were like just kind of flexing some artistic muscle, which is which is cool. Um, it's a movie that thinks it's good. <laughs> <laughs> they they are no one is more impressed by their movie than they are. <laughs> But it, it was, uh, uh, Wes, you're, you're aware that it's a part one of two, right? I am now. You, were you really not? It's okay. It's not that big were, of a spoiler. Were you really? But you, no, no, I am completely shut out. I know okay. nothing about I didn't, this movie. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And I just I just haven't, I just never really got the time in order to go see it in theaters. Well, they do, and... they do this thing where, like, you, you think you're reaching the logical closure point. Like, okay, here's where they're going to... They're going to have their final face-off, like in every superhero movie. They're going to wrap things up and put a nice bow on it, and they're just going to move on. But then they do this thing where, like, they, they pull the rug out from underneath you, and you're like, oh, oh, there's going to be a whole nother... Uh, oh, there's going to be another movie where they have to conclude this sort of thing, isn't there? And, yeah, and it, it actually turned out, like, when the movie was first announced, it was first announced as part one, but they decided to drop the part one before the movie released because they thought fewer people would go see it if it was a part one of two. I mean, that that might I might have skipped it if I had known that. <laughs> Honestly, like, I just remember, like, they got to that point, and I was just like, can't, uh, like... Part of me was just glad that they decided to stop right there because I was already over mm. the movie. I was like, okay, right. I've seen enough. This has been fine. We're going on too long. If we've really got to close out this chapter now, it's like, oh, it's done. All right, cool. I don't necessarily know if I even care about seeing the second half, though. Like, I mean, it was good enough. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what, are I, they going to kill uh... Miles Morales? Is he going to die? Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> I don't. Are they gonna kill the main character? Who knows? Right. Yeah. I mean, come on, spare me. But yeah, the, the girls seem to like it though, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching some baseball, fellas. Oh, nice. How's that working? Yeah. Out for you? Uh, the Red Sox are better than I thought. Well, I mean, what they they won today, which means they they won two out of three against the Cubs. That series is over. Uh, which is good. It's good that they beat the Cubs. They should beat the Cubs. The Cubs are a team that are they're they're underachieving. Um, they're, they're they probably should be a team that's slightly better than 500, but they are a little bit below 500. I think they're six games under now. The Red Sox are six games over 500, which is great. Um, I expected them to have a winning season, maybe a few games over 500. Um, is kind of where I thought this roster would be, and they're kind of playing at that level right now. However. 
uh, they've of their past like 15 games, they've won 13, so they've been on a real hot streak. Mm-hmm. Um, before the All Star break and now coming out of the All Star break here, and now they got three games against the Oakland A's, who are not good. Um, and just before the All Star break, they swept the A's. Uh, now they got three more games against them, so hopefully they're able to build up some steam. And it, it's just such a a fun contrast because uh, watching the Red Sox play. Um, and then, like, uh, uh, engaging with the sort of uh, uh, media that I do afterwards. It's always like, yeah, this team is is overperforming. They're, they're doing quite well. This is really nice to watch them go out there and perform, and the offense is really good. Uh, there are some some weaknesses on the team that we can get into if you feel like it. But, like, the, this, the, the, the general consensus has been like, yeah, this, this has been a, a really, like, uplifting season. Like, it's nice to see them playing well. Whereas the Yankees right now have the exact same record as the Red Sox. And the skies are falling in New York. They are fucking miserable. They think their team sucks. And it is so fucking delightful to see them so miserable. Yeah, well, you're, you're the Baltimore Orioles have a better, have a eight, eight games ahead of you. Yeah, that's where you're at. Yeah, the and Orioles are good. both of these teams are at. But also keep in mind, if they were only in the AL Central... Any one of the teams in the AL East would be yeah. the number one team. Yeah, it's just a yeah, the, stacked the, division. It is an absolutely stacked division. Yeah, sure. And like the the Rays came crashing back down to earth, and they'll they'll, they'll definitely have a winning record. Like they'll, they'll, I think they're in the best position, obviously, to win the division because they're still leading the division despite having like they at one point had lost five or six games in a row. But they're not. They don't have a 700 winning percentage like they did the first couple months of the season. Because of course they don't. It's extremely difficult to win 70 percent of the games. Yeah. Um. So it's it's much tighter between them and the the Orioles. Which again, but you know, kind with, of wild. Like that's the two best records in the entire American League are the mm-hmm. Rays and the Orioles right now. Yeah, I, I think the only team better than the Rays are the the Braves, who are very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, uh, it, it's it's fun to see the Red Sox overperforming because like the the middle infield is still a point uh, of weakness. That sort of middle infield uh, is, is um, I, I think before I referred to it as like a, a poorly constructed roster, and to an extent, sure, but they've been plagued by a lot of injuries. Like I think like the the points of the roster that are poorly constructed are due mostly because they signed players when they were hurt. And uh, guys like Trevor Story, they signed and then has been hurt. I think he played less than half of the games in his first year with the team last year and has not played a game yet this year. And that's been like, like when Trevor Story rejoins the roster, allegedly in early August, it's going to be transformative for the team because like, hey, now you actually have a major league starting shortstop. It's a pretty important position and that'll sort of help solidify things in the middle infield. But otherwise like around the diamond, like the outfield has been outstanding for the team. Um, uh, uh, they, they signed uh, uh, Yoshida uh, who's a player in Japan and he had a, a grand slam and a triple today. He has been extremely good. He's hitting like 320. Um, and Jaron Duran changed up his swing uh he's a young guy he's like uh 26 now he's a a a rookie a couple years back had a rough year last year but came in 
uh, changed up some things about the way he he approaches swing. Is running the bases a lot more, um, and he he's hitting over 300 as well. There's a, a, a game about a week back where he hit uh, four doubles in one game, which is insane. Uh, and a lot of times, like the it, it's really nice to see him playing the way he does because he'll like slap a ball into like the shallow outfield. And he'll leg it out and turn it into a double, whereas, you know, 95% of the rest of the league, that would have been a single. But because he he runs the bases so well, he's like, no, I'm just going to take an extra base here because I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really nice to see him playing with energy. Verdugo's been really good as well. They signed a guy, Adam Duvall, during the offseason who missed a couple of months due to injury. He's back. They should trade him because they're outfield, like, they're having to rotate players around. There are guys like Jaron Duran should be playing every day. Verdugo, Yoshida, th- those should be your outfielders. But this guy Duvall, who was a good signing, it was good to have him early in the year. But right now you're having to rotate players around so much uh, because you have too many outfielders. So I think they should trade him, maybe get some bullpen help uh, if they can. Because they're going to need pitching help. Because right now uh, Chris Sale is hurt. Uh, Garrett Whitlock is hurt. Tanner Houck is hurt. And you don't have five major league pitchers to play every day. Uh, right now, their starting rotation is Brian Bayo, who's been extremely good this year. He's been a real bright spot. Young guy who just came up through the system about a year or two back. Um, James Paxton has been really nice to see him play because he was a guy who they signed when he was hurt and he didn't play for two years. And now in the final year of his contract he's actually throwing baseballs for the team which is nice it's nice that uh he's he's making money for throwing baseballs now and they got a guy cutter crawford who was in their bullpen um he's kind of been a spot starter uh for for the entire year when they needed him and he was really good today um he's he's been a bright spot as well but he's not a guy who they'd ever intended like yes he's going to be a major league starter um so he's he's overperformed for what uh, they thought he was going to be, but then that's that's your that's your pitching lap. That's three. You need five. Uh, they recently moved Nick Pavetta to the bullpen, which he needed to. He sucked. Uh, he's been much better in the bullpen, and he's been coming out of the bullpen and still pitching like five or six innings and doing well. So he's he basically has like a guy go out there and pitch one or two innings from like a, a bullpen arm, a reliever go out there and pitch the first two innings, and then he comes in and pitches a bulk of the rest of the game. So he's like a starter, but not starting, but he's pitching that many innings. So that's really valuable for them right now. But that just still means that every five days you're having a game where you're just throwing your, like as many relievers as you can out there. Guys who like you hope they can, they can go two innings so you can get 27 outs to get through a game, but they don't have another major league starter. Um, they they also they, they had Corey Kluber at the beginning of the year, but they sent him on a phantom injury stint because he sucks. Like the guy is washed up, he's no good, um, and he, he he shouldn't pitch again because he he can't he just can't throw anymore. Uh, so they 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 need help. They need help in the starting rotation. Um, guys coming back from injury will be good, but the the big concern that I have is when the regular starters come back from injury, your bullpen is going to be so gassed that they don't have much left to give uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um, and, and you know, it's it's a year where they're, they're slightly overperforming 
where I thought they would be. But, you know, if you're contending for a wild card spot, like if you can get into the playoffs, anything can happen. If they win a wild card spot, they got as good as chance of anybody to to go deeper into the playoffs. Because uh, right now they have, I think, like the it's a weird stat, and I'll admit that up front. They have the second best winning percentage against other teams with uh, a positive winning percentage. You know, um, they they do good against good. Yeah, yeah. It, it shows like that you can hang tough with other good teams. Uh, it also shows that they're sort of underperforming against teams that they should beat. But you know, it, it's it's good when your team beats other good teams. I think that's the sort of bottom line of that one. But yeah, you know, you, you get into the playoffs and anything can happen. You yep. get into the playoffs and you're throwing a, a Chris Sale or a Brian Bayo out there in a, a round one elimination game and you get through that, you know, you, things things can happen. Like the, the Phillies went to the World Series a year or two back um, getting in on a wild card spot. Barely had a, a winning percentage. A positive winning percentage throughout uh, the year. Yeah. So, well, quick. Can I get a quick hit on Cutter Crawford? So, great baseball name, Cutter Crawford. Yes. It is. It is a top tier elite baseball name. Yes. Do you know where he's from? No. Okeechobee, Florida. Oh, nice. I looked it up because I was like, Okeechobee's the lake, but who who the fuck lives in Okeechobee? The thing's a swamp. Population yeah, five thousand. Oh shit! Okay, Cutter Crawford crawled out of the swamps. <laughs> uh, should uh, I should send him? A, I should tweet at him or something. Like, yeah. hey, you're from Okeechobee. I'm from Orlando. We should be friends. <laughs> I like your hair. <laughs> you run fast. He texts back. It's like you know I can't read. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Uh, they there's another guy, great baseball name that they drafted a year or two ago, Blaze Jordan. That's a good name. That is a good name. So so get that you you could one day feasibly like and, and baseball is um, I, I think um, notorious for overvaluing young prospects. Um, there there are teams that to try to stockpile as many young process prospects as they can in their minor league systems, uh, and. You know, I think that uh, getting a, a couple of players every few years that actually contribute at a major league level would be a positive return uh, for you know any given draft. Um, most of them, a majority of uh, prospects that teams hoard are not going to work out at the major league level. That's just the way it works out. And I think there's just too much value put up, put into how many you have in your reserves. But anyway, um, blaze Jordan was a guy that they, they drafted. You could conceivably have a team in the future where a guy named blaze Jordan is playing the same team as a guy named cutter Crawford. And in the, the, the most recent draft that happened a few days ago, the Boston Red Sox drafted a man named Phoenix call great name again so, so you're starting your starting lineup for your 2026 boston red sox cutter crawford blaze jordan and phoenix call is a harry potter book <laughs> uh anyway i've been i've been rambling about the red sox for a while now anything else we need to are, are we done here 
Wes, are you yeah. still awake? I'm, I'm okay. trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Retro mm. Show. Yeah, I'm excited about okay. it, too. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be yeah. a fairly quiet month for us. Like, honestly, this does not feel like a very big month for an, anything, yeah. really. So, cool. Yeah, only an hour-long yeah. music. Not time. even that, not even that. I mean, yeah, like, not really much to talk about there. I Is mean, there anything we like we should definitely listen to? Skimming through it, like My Chemical Romance, uh, their okay. their debut, and it's not their debut; it's technically their second record. But um, I brought you my bullets, you brought me your love. That's like kind of a big record for them. Um, I, I guess if you want to listen, uh, Bruce Springsteen released his first record in like ten years, and uh, hmm. like the Red Hot Chili Peppers had a big record called By the Way. Um, okay. Yeah, so oh, worth like revisiting that album. It's got like three or four really big singles on it that I'm sure are staples of like live shows for them. Songs like mm. everyone's heard of. So Some a couple there. Songs. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I've, I've literally got 14 albums. Normally I have like 30. So mm. there's just very little content mm. this month, but that's fine. That's yeah, there, there's not much on the video game front either. I might try to um, uh, do some research about what the uh, E3 happenings were in 2002 to see if there was like any sort of hype building for Nintendo. I think it might be worth visiting like where they were in sort of like their console life cycle, the first, you know, six to eight months of the GameCube. Cause you know, there have been a couple of bright spots, but it's not going great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I have well, more we'll, we'll get written to about the quote unquote events. Like that was sort of a mm. new addition to our list was just to catch all of the things that were happening in the month. I think that my events stuff is more interesting than the oh. games, the movies or the music. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll wrap it all up at the end of the month with the official show. We'll probably talk about more Zelda and some Pikmin. We're going to play some Pikmin. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Pikmin. Yeah, Pikmin. All right, that's it. That's the end. Till next time. So long. See ya.